So I think the question that I'm asked the most, the question that always ends up in my inbox is how, how do we make it? How do we get an agent? How do we get a manager? How do we get into the office of an executive? How do we get seen? How do we, how do we make it? <laughs> it's usually that general. And uh, there are, it's a very tricky question to answer, right? Because there are a thousand different ways of doing that. And uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about a few. And we're going to talk about some stuff with today's guest that I've been through myself. And it's interesting to hear that the stuff I did, I'd say five, six years ago, that got me an agent and got me management and got me noticed and in the room with all these folks, is still working as of five days ago from when I record this episode. So uh, for those of you who are young filmmakers, those of you who are young uh, screenwriters, welcome. You're listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. On today's show, hopefully, we'll uh, continue to tackle that question. Maybe give you guys uh, some cool tips, some uh, things to chew on, things to think about. As uh, I speak with today's guest, I'm joined by cinematographer and director, uh, studio owner, um, and all-around entrepreneur in our business, Andy Chen, is on the show. Those of you... I'm sure you have seen his stuff, whether you've seen the ads or the stuff for Cinepack, the Cinepack uh, effects, uh, overlays, and all sorts of post plug-in stuff, as well as Cinepack Studios, uh, where they do virtual production. For those of you who aren't in the business, you're going to hear us talking about virtual production a bunch on today's episode. And essentially what we're talking about is the same technology that they use to shoot Mandalorian. And I bring that up because most normies that don't work in our business have seen how they do the Mandalorian, which basically is they shoot in, in, in front of giant um, LED TV screens. Instead of doing a green screen, instead of just shooting green, a color that doesn't exist naturally, uh, in which you can then tell the program, hey, take all that green and make it invisible, and then you could put whatever else you want in that shot. That's what green screens are for. Um, but green screens require a lot of post work, compositing work. Although they are making a lot of AI tools now that make it easier, uh, it still requires a lot of finesse uh, with lighting, finesse with outfits, finesse with, with all sorts of movement issues. Um, and so shooting in front of a screen makes it a bit easier because now the lighting off the screen affects the surfaces. That's why it was a big deal for Mandalorian. He had that chrome helmet, which you can then see the reflections of all the TVs and the ceiling and the walls and everything. Um, but there's a lot of restrictions that come with doing VR stuff. You're essentially creating uh, a live 3D background, a live virtual set. And there are a bunch of issues as far as like tech stuff, like how you shoot it, uh, you don't want what we call moraying off the screens, which ends up being like this really weird sort of digital artifacting that happens when you photograph uh, video screens, which is interesting. So we, we get kind of nerdy about all this stuff. I, I think Andy's a great guest because he's somebody that uh, came into the business the same way that many of us did, you know, came into the business through music videos found his path as a cinematographer and then also 
was uh, smart about uh, how to make supplemental income revenue for uh, you know the slow times for the interim and then also how to make your supplemental income into something that works for you creatively i.e creating sets right because it's always difficult to find places to shoot so he figured out a way with him and his partner figured out a way to uh, have all those assets that he needs to be able to make stuff on a larger scale and then as we talk about the interest that he has in his short film that he just dropped as I'm recording this it was 10 days ago that he dropped it and he immediately got calls from uh, agents about it and so he's now doing general meetings on it so we talk about fueling the beast that is the agents and creating shorts and and then how having all of these assets and resources at his disposal whether it's studios or um, all sorts of tech stuff that he has and technology enables him to continue to feed this beast right create content and he, he does a good job explaining this so this is a great episode for those of you who are, are about to make a short film or want to make a film or already have a film done and you're thinking about just submitting it to film festivals a uh, lot of cool stuff here to learn on that and it seems to be an interesting theme for this season of the love of the process i've been talking to a lot of filmmakers there's a lot more coming out a fuji film creator series is on the way i've been interviewing all these young filmmakers that have short films that were financed by fuji film and their sort of trajectory and how they're getting out through the film festival circuit and yes i did shoot a film right before this writer's strike which i'm excited about a movie called come home uh, and that one has been submitted to a bunch of film festivals i just got two rejections all right so i just got two rejections i got rejected from um fantasia right was it fantasia yes which is a big bum out because i really wanted to get into that festival but i think i submitted that film too late to that and many of you are like well, what does that mean well that generally means that they've already filled up most of their time slots and they're just holding out to see if something else interesting comes in and if it does come in does it fit right into one of those empty spaces that they have in their time slot one would assume that that's it i i i know for a fact it's not the quality of the movie <laughs> um but it's kind of a bummer man because I, I got a lot of friends that are other filmmakers that are out there and i was like man that's what i wanted to do was go hang out there as a filmmaker whatever we didn't get in there and we didn't get into toronto uh toronto film festival not after dark but film festival I submitted to the film festival i don't know why i did that i don't know why i thought i would get into that one um but uh yeah the rejections from film festivals it's a uh it's an ego blow and uh really sort of like a come to jesus moment with yourself emotionally and you have to be prepared to be like there's a hundred reasons why this didn't get in and most of those reasons if not all those reasons have nothing to do with how good the piece is or how good of a job i did with it you know what i mean anyway um let's see what else is going on um uh i just saw barbie but i recorded this morning a thursday catch-up episode which will probably come out before this so you guys already know my story about barbie uh at this point i've seen oppenheimer i hope i loved it i'm sure i'll talk about that at some point it's weird being in sort of this time vortex as i record these episodes because i have to record them at different times and then they're all sort of scheduled out to be released so it's hard when i do like the regular episodes for me to catch up with you in real time um 
let's see what else is going on I, the, let's just get to the show mike come on everybody's ready to get into it andy and i have a great conversation about filmmaking a great conversation about distribution a great conversation about getting interest into what it is that you do so if you're looking for some fuel some ammunition some help strap yourselves in you got those noise canceling headphones cranking put them up to 11 Grab something to write some shit down because there's a bunch of notes you're going to want to take on the brand new episode of The Love of the Process. thanks for being on the show how are you good good yeah thanks for having me <laughs> i'm excited dude i like i've been a follower of yours on instagram for for a while now and every once in a while you show up on my feed and there's some sort of exciting vr cool looking stuff that you're that you're doing so uh like virtual shooting and all that so i'm pumped man i'm pumped to get into it with you yeah thanks man now how long have you been a cinematographer now um, I think close to 10 years now. I mean, that's only kind of including like school stuff, like a shooting. I was taking a bunch of cinematography classes at city, uh, like a community college uh, mm -hmm. in San Francisco where, I was, where I'm from. Mm -hmm. So including all that stuff, I'd say about 10 years. Yeah. 
Nice, man. And what made you, why was the cinematography for you? What did you like about it? You know, it's funny. I, I actually went through a bunch of different, I've always wanted to get into filmmaking. I, I took like acting. I thought I wanted to be an actor when I was younger. <laughs> I took acting classes and I was like, this is definitely not for me. I don't have the personality <laughs> for it to be on the other side of the camera. So then, yeah. Then I was, then I tried to do like editing and like VFX stuff. Uh, I took a bunch of like CGI classes and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Um, and then eventually kind of moved on to behind the camera. I just loved the kind of technical aspect and kind of working with the team and kind of, you know, um, yeah, getting, putting a vision together and stuff like that. I thought it was really cool. So I just had the most fun on set. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 No, I, I, I sympathize, man. I love that shit too. Like I, um, when I started, I uh, started with the ambition of just being a director and then learned cinematography out of necessity because at that time, this was like right before digital was really kicking. I was like, well, all these old crusty 35 millimeter cinematographers don't give a shit about this kid. So I had to teach myself how to do it. And luckily, I jumped on the wave of digital uh, cinematography right when it started and built a career out of that for a while. So um yeah, it's wild, man. Same thing for me. It's like there's something that is so much fun about being able to take this weird gear and this tech and then combine it with emotion and, and individuals and and uh, human beings and make something that's really fun and cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, man. So uh, where you – so how did you shoot your first piece? Was it all through school or like what, when was your first gig that you were very proud of? Yeah, I mean, I did a bunch of short films at school, um, and those were always really fun. Uh, so I guess because I was taking like these like CGI like VFX classes at the same time as some of these other filmmaking classes, I I was the only one in class that was kind of throwing in like VFX compositions and all this extra <laughs> stuff to it. So that was really fun, and like the teacher was always super impressed that I had all these other. Um, I, I was just like super into sci-fi stuff. So I was throwing in like spaceships and, you know, like <laughs> apocalyptic cities and stuff in the background. Yeah. Um, so that, that was kind of like my first kind of like intro into it. And then, and then it wasn't until I started, I actually was in like a band. I was playing music and stuff. So I was shooting music videos for my, myself and a bunch mm -hmm. of my friends. Um, so that was kind of more where I got into doing this more as like a business. I, I started getting hired to do music videos and then that was like, um, more of a jumping off point to mm -hmm. actually take it more seriously, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Music videos was a way for in for so many people. It was a big way in for me as a director doing music videos. It just, what did you like about doing the music video stuff? What really drew you into it? I think it was just being, I feel like you can be a lot more creative with music videos. Mm -hmm. Like you could be a lot more stylized. You can make mistakes and just display hey, that's a stylistic choice, you know, <laughs> or like the continuity doesn't even matter either. Like you can really just decide to put lights, however, color them, however you like. And, and it, it's just, as long as it makes the, the artist look cool, like it doesn't really, you know, uh, so it's a, it's a good way to kind of flex creativity muscles. I think just like, um, and then, and then taking, and also taking like skills, being, being, doing music videos, I feel like you have to be extra resourceful, like, cause the yeah. budgets are always tiny. Yeah. Um, and then you're just trying to stretch it as much as you can and, and kind of just, you know, be as creative as you can. So I feel like that coming into doing narrative stuff now, I think it definitely like helped a lot. Yeah. I agree with you, man. You gotta be scrappy. And it's weird. Yeah. The, the stuff that you learn 
along the way where, you know, you're like, how do I make this look bigger? Oh, let me take these boxes and I'll just silhouette these boxes and put them in the foreground. Suddenly this feels like a whole new oh, yeah. space, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, those little tricks that seem so simplistic, but then later on when you're doing something big and the money's running out and everybody's like, how do you fix it? You go, grab me some fucking boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, <clears throat> so, what? okay, so let's talk a little bit more about music videos. What why what do you think the restrictions of music videos are like why are you not are you still doing music videos i'm actually i've actually have done less and less now i i still dp a ton of music videos but as a director uh not so much it's just it's kind of hard it takes i feel like it takes a lot out of you um once you start working with like like labels and and kind of like uh, video commissioners sending you briefs all the time. You're, uh. you're spending so much time making treatments and then like, you're not really getting picture, you know, like you're spending so much time. It's just, yes. I feel like I'm pulling so much creativity <laughs> for these people and nobody's really <laughs> appreciating yes, it. So no, preach, um, <laughs> preach about it. Cause it's true. <laughs> I think a, a lot of people don't realize, you know, the time suck that is, you know, just putting, adding to the pile of treatments on a video commissioner's desk. And you're like, does the fucking artist even see this goddamn thing? Like what's going yeah. on? Here? Do you feel that way? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and it's just the budgets are like, you're, and you're fighting for these like tiny budgets. It's not even like, you know, it's not even a big payday. I ended up like not even making any money off of these. And it's just more for, you know, like uh, just because maybe this artist has a lot of, like a big following or something, you might get your work out there or whatever. Sure. But I've, I've kind of found a different avenue for kind of you know spreading my my work around and it's just kind of through like my youtube and um just like shorts like really kind of creative shorts and stuff like that so which seems um, like a smarter business plan right because then at least you own the intellectual property or you actually own the way that it's distributed so yeah. like instead of you busting your ass and doing all that work for a label who is already taking advantage of the artist let alone you yeah, uh, it just seems like a bit of a better business strategy to create your own IP, right? Yeah, yeah, and I've and I've only recently kind of started this YouTube monetization thing mm -hmm. where you just run ads on like your short films and stuff, and and like one of them like paid back the amount like the budget that I spent on the short. So I was like, oh, this is actually <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> like, like I don't make I don't make any money off of these music videos, so um, so that was kind of nice. That's rad, man. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with uh, my stuff too, where like I've been trying to figure out through either sponsorships or through payment stuff, you know, making back all the money on the different shorts. Like I'm on an NDA, so I shouldn't talk too much about it, but I've actually had a company pay me back the entire bit just to be able to use a clip of one of my shorts. So like, oh, amazing. Yeah, dude. So there's like a, a lot of really, and I think many young filmmakers out there whenever I have them on the show and I talk to them, I'm like, what's your plan with the short? And they're like, oh, I want to go to festivals. And I go, well, why? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> you, there's, you could be building an audience. You could be making money back. You could be uh, creating an outlet that is, has value for companies that will sponsor that outlet. So like you have to start thinking outside the box, I think when it comes to distribution. Yeah, I think, so. I think so. I've definitely kind of moved away from like the festival, thing um i still send them to a couple couple festivals like because i i focus on a lot of horror stuff mm -hmm. so there's a couple like horror festivals that i kind of like i've kind of built a relationship with like the programmers and stuff so i always send my stuff over to them and they always accept it but all like the big big like uh festivals that everybody kind of tries to submit to that it's like one in a million chance of getting <laughs> in like and then there's also like the whole premiere status like where you can't really 
like you can't really release your thing until until they say yes or no so now you're just waiting around until like i don't know it's i've kind of i've kind of got like my kind of uh strategy now is just just drop it as fast as possible and just just release it out into the world and then i'll send it to the to the smaller festivals and they'll program it in i'll get a couple laurels here and there and just they'll kind of just add to the um visibility of it i think right 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 instead of like the prestige of it i guess yeah yeah, 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 yeah. There's a sense of that, which is interesting. I, I mean, we can get on a whole tirade about, uh, you know, distribution and like I've tried multiple different distribution things, and now it's at least with Twelve Cam, it's the whole you have to write me your three favorite horror movies, and then I'll send you a link, which has been <laughs> incredibly successful. <laughs> yeah, I, it's crazy because I saw I saw like I, I don't know if it was a TikTok or whatever, but I saw a bunch of people talking about that when when you were first doing it, yeah. and I thought that was genius, like just like the marketing strategy of kind of going the going making it go viral for this, you know. Uh, um, I wish I that could, was great. I wish I could take full credit for like. Being some sort of like, you know, dude behind a desk going, I've got this idea. But really, really, it was me making an offhanded comment on a couple podcasts and then that, that just sort of running with it, which makes me wonder if, you know, Barbenheimer is the same way. <laughs> honestly, just- honestly, I really think it is. I feel like I feel like they made this whole Barbenheimer thing just because the strike was going on. Everybody's like refusing to, you know, promote yeah. the these big studio movies and stuff. So they had to figure out a way to to get people to get into the theaters. And now, you know, everybody's watching Barbie and Oppenheimer together and they're literally like killing in the box office right now. It's really it's ridiculous. It's crushing. It's crushing because yeah. of good marketing. Really, it's all it really, good It really is good marketing. It's genius. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so have you found, how long did it take you to build your YouTube audience? Have you found success with that? And how were you driving traffic initially to your YouTube audience? Um, so I think the first, the first thing I made uh, that kind of got a lot of views. I think it was like over five years ago. I was like a fake trailer. It was actually funny. There's a, so I, I got inspiration from this, this other kind of viral YouTube, um, tr- like horror trailer that was just like for, a, I think it was called like Handjob Cabin or something ridiculous like that. Um, I don't know if you've seen that one. It's, it's like a parody, uh, horror movie like trailer. Uh, but they shot it like super well and it's but like, pre- the entire premise is ridiculous it's just about a, like a poltergeist that's just trying to jerk you off <laughs> but <laughs> but they but it literally looks scary like it's it's but it's just done so seriously mm-hmm. but with such a ridiculous premise it just went insanely viral on youtube so i, I tried to do something like that i was listening to a podcast uh from uh I think was it the po- last podcast on the left where they're yes. talking about like a like a poop po- a poltergeist like made out of poop. But I think he was just like joking around. But I was like, you know, that could be a funny trailer for a fake um, fake horror movie. So I, I made a poop. I called a poop poopoo geist, and um, I shot a trailer for it. Shot a super realist like uh, gra- it was super grounded, you know. But but it's obviously a ridiculous premise, and um, and that one like. Got a, like a good hundred thousand views, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and then from there, I was like, okay, I can really kind of capitalize on that and and keep building my audience. So then my next horror short, I didn't really it didn't really do that well, but um, it was actually kind of crazy because there's like a whole like part of YouTube that has like these reaction videos, yeah. which people were doing that for the Poopoo Guys one, anyways, just because it was so ridiculous. People were reacting to it, but I didn't really tap into that then but um now i've kind of realized like 
I'll just send it to these like YouTube reaction channels. And as, once they react to it, like a couple big ones, and then everybody kind of flocks over to, to like yes. support or whatever. So I've been building quite an audience just through reaction like channels, I think. It's smart, man. Yeah. Cause that, I mean, that w- was really what got my movie off the ground was that, you know, one of the dudes that wrote to me had his own YouTube, that Big Vic Media, and he didn't even have a lot of followers. He just, he spent the time and energy to make it look good. And I think it's the algorithm really registers, you know, how it sounds too. Um, yeah. And so he did a really good job doing this review piece. And then he put at the end of it, like, is this genius or is this pretentious? <laughs> Which was uh. an actual, on his part, a genius thing to do because it started a fucking, it started a, a fight where people like, yeah. you know, fuck this guy. And I'm like, yes, because it continuously goes viral because yeah, of that. Yeah. Uh, and so there is, I think we both have figured out a way to, to capitalize on that stuff because you need to. And what's fascinating to me is that when you look at the marketing budget for Barbie, they spent $100 million, $150 million on it. And I can't help but think like there's – it may be in their place that whatever that advertising place is, there's like a, a you and me in there. It's like, no, just send it to these guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Where'd that hundred million go? <laughs> 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 it's ridiculous, man. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, so then you started uh, progressing into doing your own shorts, right? Have you had any success with the shorts as far as like, do you have any ambition to do long format as a director? Or are you trying to, create proof of concepts and if you had anybody reach out to you to try to make your shorts into something bigger yeah so this is actually very recent like i i have i had a meeting a couple days ago um also have a meeting i think later today nice um for my most recent short um which i honestly didn't really think it was gonna go anywhere um but apparently a lot of people are are seeming to like it so i've been getting a lot of meetings uh so this is kind of like my first time kind of meeting with like studio execs and people who have money who make things like this. Yeah. Um, so now I'm kind of thinking more in, in that, um, way, I guess, because before it was just kind of, I was just trying to build an audience and I wasn't, I was just trying to do stuff kind of like for fun and like, you know, just, uh, just flexing different muscles and stuff and kind of just build my, my, um, my reel, I guess. But yeah. 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 That's good, dude. Is this for, I'm looking at your stuff now. Is this for the gateway drug? Is that the last one that you just did? Yeah. 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 So that one, that one's getting a lot of attention right now. So which, which is pretty exciting. That's rad, man. And then this, it, this is your first time that you're getting this kind of attention from shorts. Yeah. Yeah. So I had this like agent from UTA reach out and like, he's been literally setting, I'm, I'm not like officially repped, but I'm hoping I will be soon, but mm-hmm. he's just, he's been me- setting up meetings with me all around town. So, but the kind of tricky thing is because of the strike, like nobody can really do anything. Yeah, you can't um, so it's just, yeah, so it's mostly just like general meetings, and yeah. um, but a lot of people seem interested, so that's 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 pretty exciting. That's good. Yeah, the same thing. The same basic thing happened with me a couple of years ago. So I, I'm with UTA, and I got my management company because of a short. And then, oh, nice. yeah, yeah, same same deal. And then they send you around. You do the general thing. You meet with yeah. some folks, right? The general yeah. meetings are how 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 has well. So you've only done a few, right? How have your generals been? Have they been? It's They've all- been great. I mean, I've been keeping up with a lot of these people. Um, nice. Like, so it's it's and it's it's my this agent is he's he's kind of young. He's like my age. <laughs> um, so all the people he's been setting me up with are also like younger executives, mm-hmm. which has been really interesting because I 
I've always ex- imagined studio execs to be like super old. <laughs> I don't know, um, <laughs> but everybody's really like my age, and this they're all, they're all super into horror stuff, and like it's 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 been great. Yeah, it's been really cool just meeting these people. Yeah, that's great, and and being someone that's done it a little bit longer. The only cautionary tale I'll give you is that they are younger because they're junior execs. It, it really when, mm. it, when it becomes difficult is when you try to get stuff greenlit because then you're, oh really yeah because you're sort of processing these young guys that you realize don't necessarily have the power to greenlight anything. So then just be cautious as you go into it where you're like yeah do I really need to do like twelve rewrites? Has your boss even looked at this yet? <laughs> just be cautious. About, yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, do you have, do you have any, I mean, since this is kind of like my first time kind of going through this, like how was your experience when you were kind of going through the generals? Uh, it was, it was prior to COVID. So it was prior to zoom. Zoom really didn't exist. So, and, and when I, I was still back in Boston at this time, so I would say this is five years ago more. So, um, I, they flew me out and I went and I pitched to as many places as possible. It was actually useful that i wasn't living in the city uh because yeah because they were like well if you're gonna come out we're gonna book as many as we can and so then they were able to talk to all these different production houses and say he's coming into town do you have time while he's here in town for the next seven days and so they had i was doing two or three a day which oh wow that's insane insane (laughs) for like eight days and me and my writing so we were originally going around initially with 12 km so that was the mm-hmm. initial because my my now writing partner wrote the feature version of it. And so then we went and pitched all week, which was wild, especially when you go in person. It's different on Zoom now. But when you went in in person, they call it the water bottle tour because you go in and, yeah, yeah. you know, I've heard that, yeah. upon how expensive the like, let's put it this way. Michael Bay's crystal water bottles were <laughs> a bit more expensive than some of the other oh, places. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But um, it was cool, man. A, a lot of it is like. You can't help but think that a lot of it is like, okay, so we're going to bring this guy in because we have a relationship with the agent. We want to make sure that our agent relationship stays good. Um, my, my guys were good. They actually sent the short around. I, I saw the email. They sent the short out and they said, close the blinds, put on your headphones and watch this thing. And so everybody that I went in to meet with, they had seen the film. They liked the film. And they all thought yeah. it was going to be a Russian kid that came in because it's in Russian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um so that was cool. But the aftermath of it was like you know, you're sitting around, you're waiting, you have relationships with these folks, you go into different rooms and no one really jumps until someone jumps. And for us it was uh Scott Free and Ridley Scott's company that jumped. But hmm. um prior to that, like you, you sit around after a general for like 2 weeks, you know, and you're like, yeah. what's going on? And, and even the meeting that we had, everything is always so loose. Even the meeting we had yeah. Yeah, yeah. with Scott Free, they were just like, they, they. I remember they got on the call with me and they go, can you make this movie in a studio? And I go, yeah. And they go, can you convince actors to be in? And I go, give me a six pack of beer or convince anybody to work on this. And I go, okay. <laughs> and then they hang up and I go, what What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, is, that a, is that a go? Is that not a go? Like what? And, you know, yeah. you just realize, you know, five years out on that now. And having gone in and pitched on a bunch of shorts and a bunch of movies, you now realize that this business really is about relationships. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's good that you know these folks by name. It's also good if you can physically hang out with these folks outside of work um, because all that stuff in theory pays off. 
I'll, I'll yeah. let you know when I finally fucking do it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely like speed. Like generals to me were like speed dating. I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely f- felt that way. Were you were you already? Uh, signed with the with UTA when they were sending you around like that. They sort of did it like a preliminary, and okay. even, even today, it's still like a you're with us. You know what I mean? But it's sure. it, it, like with anything, and I think even in like the commercial world and the, like being represented by a production company in the commercial world, everybody's like, "We'll put your work on our website," and you're like, "Isn't there like a contract I should sign or something?" No, we'll put your work here, and you're like, "There's no paperwork." <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you feel the same way with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I was. I've been waiting. Just like, like, is this guy gonna? Because, because my, my, but he's, he's also uh, my friend's agent. Uh-huh. So I've just been kind of waiting around, seeing. I mean, I, don't, I don't really. This is my kind of first time getting into this world. I feel like so. I'm just trying to fit, navigate it. I guess. I'm not exactly sure what to expect or or what. I, I mean, supposed dude, to happen. The best thing to do, and this has been my experience with them, and this is what they need. They're they are going to rely on you for everything. And I, I think the biggest the biggest myth out there is that when you get an agent that it changes the game for you. It doesn't. Really, all it does is they enable you to go and meet with people that would normally be blocked by their by their own yeah. you know, glass ceiling or by their own gatekeeping. Yeah. And so Which I think is important though. That's kind of like I feel like it's literally been insane kind of being able to access this like these type of people, I guess, who have yeah. access to money and yeah, no, and make movies. It's great, and and, and the move is these guys are gonna. You just constantly have to be making stuff, and you constantly have to be dumping stuff on them, and then just saying yeah. like, "I know we're hot on this, but this and this, but this, but this, but this, but this." Like we were on our week two of pitching for twelve. No, we came back after a month and change. I came back out here to do another round of pitching for twelve km, and in that intro, me and my writer wrote a whole nother short. Came up with who's there, and literally when I came in to have the meeting with them, flew out here. Like you ready to talk twelve km? I go before we do. Here's a new short. Here's another feature. Those nice. also, you know. And they were just like, yeah. "What the fuck?" And I go, "Yeah." those two <laughs> and we're gonna do like that's what we're doing right now through the strike is you know we're, yeah. we're developing two or three new pieces that right out of the gate it's like this one this one and this one let's go oh nice let's go nice yeah yeah i think what uh this one guy i met with he was kind of he gave this whole analogy like um think of yourself as like an ice cream shop and each each short or each concept it was like a different flavor and essentially like when studios come in, you're pretty much giving them a little sample or each, yeah, each, each ice cream flavor is a different feature, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you're giving them a little sample by, you know, with the, with the shorts and stuff. So he was just saying, build up your, your kind of like, uh, your menu, I guess, you know? So, mm-hmm. so I think, I think that's definitely smart. Just doing as many kind of shorts and just having as many options as possible. Cause each studio is gonna be looking for something different. Yeah. And then also be careful, right? It's the same thing with music videos and writing treatments for music videos. Like you don't want to just be, I think there's a lot of young, and I've met them. There's a, a, a lot of young uh, horror directors out there that are chasing trends. And they're yeah. just sort of like, what is hot on YouTube right now? And you know, the next thing you know, you're in this world where you're like trying to make a horror piece about texting and TikTok. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> so be careful. I think that yeah. at the end of the day, you're going to get hired because of your vision and your passion. 
Um, and you're going to get hired because you've convinced somebody that you're trustworthy and that you could follow through and make them money. Yeah. Um, and so make sure that the stuff that you're doing, and this is less to you and more to the audience, but make sure the stuff that you're doing is stuff that you're excited about, you're passionate about, and has a voice that you like, because otherwise you're just writing treatments for fucking music videos that are just yeah. going through, you know? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to get yeah. lost in that bullshit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, it's time to take a break. I want to talk about gear. Let's get to it. If you are in the market for a new PC, build yourself a Puget System PC. Build yourself a new edit machine. Maybe you are trying to do your own virtual production. You want to do your own virtual stage setup. You want to build a beefy, beefy PC. Uh, go to PugetSystems.com. Uh, not only are their prices great, their customer service is amazing, but you can also build the computer based upon the software you're going to use. And these guys beta test all the hardware out there. They know what works best. That's what they do. They have a whole department that's just testing all the new updates and how it works with the hardware. I love my friends over at Puget Systems. I love my Puget Systems computers. Go to PugetSystems.com, check them out, and build yourself a tool that works for you. Don't become a slave to these corporations that are telling you how to do things. Tell the corporations to do it the way you want them to. PugetSystems.com. Also supporting the show is our friends over at Fujifilm. If you're looking for a camera, whether it's a video camera, a still camera, or maybe both, Fujifilm has everything you need. I love these guys. I love their color profile. I love their lenses. I love their camera bodies. Uh, the GFX 100S is amazing. The HX, the H, the XH2S, there it is. Man, I have so much trouble with that. That camera I love so much. Uh, I've been shooting a bunch of clips, commercials, uh, B shots, B roll shots. It's my second shooter. It's the camera I have here at the house when I want to try things out. And that combined with my Photo Deox lens adapter, I'm able to put all my old school Nikon lenses on a Fujifilm camera. And on the GFX 100, we have the Mamiya medium format lens mount that we're putting on that. Or I also have a PL lens mount so I can get my hands on some of the sexiest lenses in the marketplace right now. Some of those high-end cinema lenses with the really great bokehs or really great anamorphics. Um, and if I'm going to get my lenses, my PL mount lenses or any sort of camera gear that I need, I go to the guys from Boca Rentals here in Los Angeles. That is the place to go if you're looking for video gear, camera support equipment, learning about how gear works. I say this all the time, make friends with your local rental house. Who do you use? If you're out here in Los Angeles, Boca Rentals is the place that I use. I love those guys. They support the show and they support young filmmakers and young cinematographers. They understand the future of our business is in the art, the talented young artists that are going to be the next generation. They know this. Someone else tell the rest of Hollywood that. So Boca Rentals. Finally, if you're new to the show and you're like, wow, there's so many episodes here, Mike. Where do I go? How do I start? Well, go to episode one, you lazy prick. Do them all. But if not... Go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There I've curated the episodes on subject material. So if you just want to listen to directors, if you just want to listen to cinematographers, it's all up there. It's like a top 30 episode place. 
good place to go to really dip your toes into what this show is. Loveoftheprocess.com. How's that for a short ad read? Back to the show. Did you so did you have a did you have a script or like a feature or ready when you were going through these meetings like for for 12km? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what oh, happened okay. I wrote a really shitty draft of something cuz I don't consider myself a screenwriter. So I, I I wrote a really shitty draft and then I met uh my buddy Will Simmons who's a great screenwriter and he's like can I do a pass and he has won the blacklist twice. And I was oh, like, amazing. I was wow. like, yeah, dude, fuck yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nice. <laughs> uh, and uh, him and I have uh, been working together ever since. And I love, he's so talented as a screenwriter. And so, and he's also fast. So I was like, bam, banging out. So yeah, we went into a space, which is helpful because then that's usually the next question with the yeah. agents is like, is there a script? Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've heard of other uh, short directors out there that don't write and their agents kind of partner them up with different writers and they've had stuff written, but I haven't heard of that a lot. And I, it sounds like a lot of agents out there want uh, writer directors because it's less work for them. Yeah, I can see that. Cause yeah, that was definitely, so my friend uh, who this agent is also, is, who's, who's rep by this agent, he actually just recently sold his short, uh, which I also helped work on, but he, he doesn't have, he didn't have a, like a feature. He didn't have a peach pitch deck or anything like that. Oh. Ready. He's literally just had this short and it was such a cool concept. Uh, they sold it over to Agbo, like the Russo brothers. Oh, nice. And, uh, but right now they're kind of in limbo. They can't really do anything with it until the strike's over and then they can bring on, cause he's not really like a writer himself either. Um, oh, nice. so they're going to kind of set up like a, I think they're like, like a co-writer or something as soon as the, the strike's over and they can actually develop it. Yeah. 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 It's a yeah. tough time right now for everybody right now. Yeah. 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 Technically, you know, my, my writer's not supposed to be doing anything right now. So is he, is he WGA? Yeah. 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 Okay. So he's not doing yeah, anything. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. doing absolutely nothing right now um yeah. but yeah yeah it's tough it's tough it like the strike's been hard on everybody and, and it's it's really difficult on us like i finished a short right before so i was i was hunting oh. i was desperately trying to get it done right before and I, I i finished it like five or six days before the strike and uh yeah. my management gave me good advice they were like uh don't do anything with it sit on it and i was like why and he goes because you're gonna lose momentum if you put this out now, people are going to get excited about it, and then they can't do anything about it until this fucking strike's over. So the mm. momentum will be done by the time the strike finishes. So sit on it. Interesting. Wait. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's still like indie productions and indie companies that aren't struck, right? So you could technically, in theory, depends on who they are. Like, yeah. I know that there's a deal that A24 has going right now, but I haven't, you may have heard more about them than I have. And if you are going to have independent financing that aren't signatories, yeah, then yes. But, you know, my writer's a, you know, fucking union writer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. and so, like, you're just like, okay, all right. I Like, if the strike continues well beyond <laughs> November, then, you know, we'll start thinking that way. It'll be like, yeah. you know, it's time to do a Kickstarter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, we'll start yeah. thinking in a whole new round. But fingers fucking crossed, especially after you know the past two weeks in Hollywood. You know, yeah, maybe deaf ears will realize that art is uh, actually making them money. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they should pay us. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, man. Well, congrats on uh, yeah, thanks on that short, dude, and uh, yeah. getting that attention. So when did that drop? It looks like it dropped like what ten days ago. Yeah, I dropped it ten days ago. Um, yeah, I I was just, I I, I finished. We shot it back in I think February. Yeah, I've um, just been editing and working on it ever since, but. Yeah, and so and did you just get rando emails from from agents and stuff like that after the short? Drop? So it's actually yeah, it's actually crazy. The agent reached out on Instagram because I posted a trailer like a teaser, and uh, he immediately called me and he was just like, "Hey, I saw your thing on Instagram, just like random, just popped up, I guess for, for him." Yeah, um, and then he he just wanted to call and and chat and stuff and kind of uh, figure out who I was, and then. Just like immediately after that, he started setting me up with meetings. And I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> this is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It's very similar. It moves fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's very similar for me, too. People don't realize that there are entire departments that are just in charge of like hunting for these things. And yeah, they've made a lot of money in the past. Like my management team that found me first, they're also David Sandberg's management team. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like they, they were like, we did this with Lights Out. You could be another Lights Out. Boom. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, it's that quick. So I, I would, you know what? I will confidently say that you're better off putting your work online and you're better off having your work seen by people so that it shows up on those lists and that it is seen by those offices. Then you are going to screen and film festivals. Cause I think you have yeah. a better chance. Yeah. Doing that. I think cool. so. Yeah. yeah. I've kind of gotten, cause I didn't, that one I haven't sent to any film festivals at all. I just, my goal is just to drop it on YouTube and hopefully and email all the like all those like YouTube reaction channels and stuff again just to kind of get a little bit of momentum on them. Yeah. And then uh, but immediately like yeah, just agents hit me up and other people hit me up and now it might be a feature. <laughs> I don't know, you know, in a yeah. in a couple of years or whatever. Dude, it's fucking great, man. That's great. It's good to hear that that's still working too. It's good to yeah. hear that that's still still viable. It's great, dude. Yeah. Congrats, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, man. So, so the the short that you have is that the the new one is that also like a horror genre as well? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Nice, nice. I got a new one that's really great. I would. It's probably the best one I've done. I would say oh, that honestly. And then, um, it's really cool. It, it's been uh, frustrating because you know I finished it how many months ago? You know, and you you're sort of in that high where you're like, this is fucking great, you know, and you yeah. start, you're sending it out. Like, I've got a bunch of fans because of 12 Cam and I in this podcast. So I had like what I call my super fans. I'm like, you guys are test screening, so I sent that out to all them, and they're just like, this is fucking killer. And I'm like, awesome, that's great. If I'm getting that from you, and then I've sent it out to uh, a handful of execs that I know, and they're all like, this is cool, and I'm like. Nice. But you can't do anything, right? And they go, no. And I go, okay, so I'm not going to send it to anybody else right now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So how, how long? What's the runtime on that one? Uh, it's short, man. It's it's under, I think it's like 10 minutes. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because 12 km was like, what, like 27 yes, minutes or something like that? Yes, have you yes. Have you gotten, has that been like difficult for you to, because I know there's a whole thing like with festivals, like yes. everybody wants some shorter and stuff, right? Yeah. So, yes. Initially... I've told the story a couple times, but I'll go through it quick. I, sure. what, what initially happened was that when I made that film, I made that film in Boston with uh, this really great crew of people that I had been putting together for, you know the deal, years of doing yeah. music videos, years of, yeah. so I put together yeah, this awesome team. And we were doing a music video for Zarface with Inspector Deck, 
and we're in this basement and I'm shooting basically this torture scene a la Lethal Weapon where the guy's like hanging and getting electrocuted by, you know, like uh, jumper cables. And we're shooting with these anamorphics and I'm, I'm just watching this on the screen. And at the time I was reading some comics, I was reading this run of uh, The Punisher by Greg Rucka. And I was sitting in that space and I turned to my assistant and I go, why are we not making a movie? Like, look at this. It looks so fucking good. And he goes, yeah. And I go, we should just make a, I'm reading this Punisher series. Fan films are doing really well. We should just do a Punisher piece. Um, and after that, we did. We we went into production. I brought the whole team together and we made this really beautiful uh, Punisher film. And uh, I made the mistake of doing a poster in a teaser and the teaser and poster went viral. So they went viral on CBR and a bunch of all these other comic book places. Oh, nice. Amazing. And they wrote about it and the big news. This was before Disney acquired uh, Marvel. This was before yeah. the Netflix deals. And uh, there were basically the ads, or I'm sorry, the articles that were written were like, better than anything Marvel's ever done. Wow. Basically what it was. And so I got a cease and desist. Like I, no. I immediately got a cease and desist from them, um, and which I then was like, "Hey guys, I, it, my pitch was going to be to Marvel in my ignorance. My pitch was like at the time, like, why don't we just do a YouTube series on the Punisher? Because Disney wasn't even in the picture yet. Why don't we just do like this really cool War Zone kind of thing?" Um, and so I sent it to them and I said, take the short. I don't care. Take the short. We can do whatever. And they go, nope, 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 nope. And they just sent me the fucking cease and desist. So it was crushing for the actors. Oh no. Was, so you could never, you never release it? Nope. It was crushing oh. for all these people. And I, I was talking to my lawyer at the time and this is back when I owned a production company. I owned a post-production studio. And I said to my lawyer, I go, why don't I just fucking release it? And he goes, well, here's how it's going to work. They're not going to crush you now. They'll crush you when you make money. So like when you actually get success, they'll claim that that success is built upon this. Really? And then they'll come after you then. Interesting. And I said, well, fuck. And he goes, yeah, but what you can do is you can write a whole article on everything that you did, how you shot it, how you made it, and talk about how they cease and desist you, and you can put that out. And I went, really? And he goes, yeah, that's legal. <laughs> so, so I went huh. through the process of doing that. That got more traction than the movie ever would. Wow. It built the movie up on sort of like this mythic level where it suddenly became that punk rock album that no one could ever hear. I honestly oh don't, my want, gosh. I don't want it to release because it'll never live up <laughs> to the hype that it is. And I learned Damn. a lot about hyping through that process. But the byproduct of that was when I went back in to make the short film, I had to go back to that crew. And yeah. I had asked them before, and I couldn't follow through because of the cease and desist. So this time around, I said, all right, here's the deal. We're going to make a short film, and I'm not just going to make some fucking like real piece. Let's do something that's got a beginning, middle, and end. It's got a decent runtime. I've done the research. Film festivals will take shorts up to 40 minutes. So let's do something that's like 20 and change. And then I'll put on a screening where you can invite friends and family, and we'll showcase our work. And that was nice. the, the initial reason for the runtime. Yeah. And then when I uh, showed that, when I was in the edits, I was friends with a lot of festival programmers, and I just invited them into the edit. I said, come in, watch this thing I'm working on. Let me know what you think. Give me some feedback. And I remember I, I screened it for them, 
and uh, it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> I screened it, oh, for, yeah. screened it for them, and then it stops, and they're very quiet in the room, and I just turn, and I go, okay, so what's up? And the guys go, it's fucking great. We love it. And I go, yeah, all right, cool. What festival should I submit it to? Where do you think I should send it? And they go, none. (laughs) And I go, what do you mean? He goes, it's not getting in anywhere, dude. He's like, it's too long. And I go, all right, well, what should I cut out? And he goes, don't cut it. It's perfect. I go, oh my God. What you're saying is that I'm fucked. (laughs) And he goes, yeah, no, it's, it's too long. It's like if, if they program this movie, they're going to lose two or three other shorts in their shorts program. So yeah, you're not going to get in for that reason. Wow. Yeah. Long story. But yeah, that's. (laughs) <laughs> so did it ever play have you have you ever sent it out to I, any festivals or i did i sent it out I, had, I got a bunch of rejections i played in two weird festivals out in the middle of nice. nowhere kind of thing okay um but now it hasn't and and yeah you know you just because so, i just submitted the new short to a bunch of festivals as well and i just got my first two rejections from that process and you just realize like oh right that's what that's what this game is that's what this game is why'd i get oh that's probably because it didn't fit for time here Mm -hmm. that's probably why Mm. i got that rejection but yeah man yeah yeah it's tough yeah it's tricky (laughs) so yeah i don't know film festivals (laughs) i really want to see this punisher one now that that's really interesting because like because i know a bunch of there's so many fan films out there so but it's kind of curious Yours got the cease and desist because because news articles got a hold of it. Yeah, I think it was because the press. And I think it was right around the time, this is me speculating, but I think it was right around yeah. the time that they were trying to make a deal with Disney. I think that was it. Oh, interesting. And, and honestly, the other Punisher one with Tom Jane came out right before ours did. So oh, I see. that one dropped and I was like, oh, we're fine, you know, because the Thomas Jane thing came out. Huh. Interesting. Uh, Cause this is, cause I'm literally in the, I'm in pre-production for a Spider-Man fan film as, ooh, as well luck, at the moment. But now, now I'm like, oh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't. Cause, um, I also had a fan film, like a, like a horror version of Shrek that I, that I did, um, that kind of went kind of viral as well. And, and CBR also did that. I think they were the first person, first people to do an article about it. Yeah. Um, but what I kind of did, like when I did my research about kind of like the legalities of stuff like that, like it seemed like most, most companies are okay with it as long as, um, just because like they don't want the negative press of, of shutting down like an indie filmmaker. I think like, that's why like, uh, Lucas, like star Wars, there's so many star Wars fan films out there. Sure. Sure. Even that, um, I think the that that Power Ranger one that got that got deleted like a while back. I don't know if you you yes. remember that one. Yes, yes, yes. I think that one that's back online now though, right? Like, um, I think it was just they had to just wait a bunch. Or I'm not really sure what ever happened with that. But well, I mean, look, my philosophy is a little weird now. I, I think that at the end of the day, if you asked me if I was going to do a fan film again, I'd say no for two reasons. Okay, one, um, it's not worth putting all that time and energy into something that legally you have no leg to stand on. So like if they come and show up and they go, nope, then you, you have no choice but to go, okay. You know what I mean? Um, but, what, but what about like parody law and stuff like that? Is that if you're, not- par- if you're, <laughs> if you're doing a parody, that's different. If yeah. You, if you're actually parody, like if it's a comedy and you're in it, I don't know what the definitions of a parody specifically are, but if you're following those to the T, I think you're okay. Yeah. But dude, the other thing too is I 
I mean, maybe the Power Rangers thing it, it was the case, but no one's gonna. <laughs> it's not like Marvel's gonna be like, oh, that dude that did the Punisher thing. We're gonna hire him for the show, and I, I know this for a fact because there, when the Punisher show started to go, and it, who was it, McKnight or Stephen Knight or something, the guy that was running it, um, mm -hmm. a bunch of my fans were writing to him. And they were oh, like, really? yeah, they were all like, you should hire Mike. You should hire Mike to do an episode of the Punisher show. And he goes, I don't even know who this fucking guy is. Like, he was just like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to hire that guy. So, yeah. like, there's this sense of, I don't think that they're going to hire you to do it. Mm -hmm. And then, if you're dealing with trying to get an agent and a manager and get someone that's interested, my guys never really give a shit about it at all. They're just like, yeah. what's, your, what's your IP? What's the thing that we can sell? that we can make money on. And it's like, it's, yeah. you know, we can't sell the fucking punter. What do you want to do? Like day play on a TV show? Like what, 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 you know? Yeah. 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 So think about that stuff. That yeah. would be my, th like it's fun to do. You can get a bunch of attention and traction for it, but then it's also like, can you monetize it on YouTube? No, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. And, and then, What's the legalities around that? Does do, can they come and go? Well, technically, you have your audience based around that short that you're then monetizing. Like it's it just gets a little, it gets you know a little gray and frisky in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Something to think about. Then think, then think about that. Yeah, for sure. Think about that, or at least talk to your lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have a lawyer. Maybe. Yeah, they're expensive. <laughs> they're expensive. Uh, we'll ask the UTA guys. <laughs> yeah. Have any? Yeah, ask them. See what they say. See what they say. Yeah, because yeah, uh, this is stuff, and I hope you guys listening at home are finding this interesting. I, I, I pretty much guarantee you are, because this is stuff that no one really talks about. Like, we're, yeah. we're always in a, I don't know if you feel this way, but it always feels like a grind, right? Like, I got to get eyes on shit, you know? I, yeah. I got to get people into something. I'm going to, yes, I'm going to do this video for the weekend because it's going to get, you know, however many million views, and that's going to be good for me. And then you get pissed off when the label uh, doesn't put your name as a director in the fucking credits and a link to your shit. And you're just like, what the fuck was the use of me doing this? Yeah. <laughs> like, it just doesn't it feel like a grind like that on the internet? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 It's me bitching. Sorry. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, besides, let's talk a bit more of the grind in general with you, right? Because not only are you uh, a cinematographer and you're cranking out shorts and getting deal offers, which is great. Um, but you, you're also doing like Cinepax and then the Cine, Cinepax studios. Like, yeah. It, so was that just about like, how do I make supplemental income initially? Yeah. That's kind of how it started origi originally. So, uh, so me and my buddy, Tyler, my business, business partner, uh, he was, he was always like kind of directing a bunch of music videos, uh, up north, like NorCal, where we're both from, mm -hmm. um, and then I was a cinematographer, so we would just we would work on music videos like all the time, and then um, eventually, we, I mean, I started kind of building up like LUTs that I use all the time, and then mm -hmm. and he was doing a lot of editing and and kind of like like presets that he would he'd use for a lot of music videos, and then we realized there really really wasn't a mark like a like a marketplace for music video editing like assets. I guess there's there's a ton of like places that sell LUTs and overlays and, and all these like effects and stuff like, but n nobody that really marketing towards m the music video mm -hmm. kind of, uh, so, so we kind of decided to kind of just, I mean, we I already had like stuff 
built out. So, and he had uh, like a YouTube audience already. He, he kind of built up doing like tutorials and stuff like that for editing. Mm-hmm. So we kind of just decided to market to that audience and, and start Cinepax, the website, which is just essentially it was just like digital assets and stuff. Um, and then we built it, we started bringing on people to help us build some like 3d stuff and, and animated things that we didn't really see, uh, around that were kind of trending and stuff like that. So, uh, eventually kind of, it, it got pretty popular and we kind of built up a good amount of savings. And then we started dev- to using that to kind of, um, invest in other avenues. So then the studios kind of came along just because we, we always, as filmmakers, we're always looking for locations for the cheap, but yeah. I mean, but if you have your own studio, you can kind of build your own sets and kind of have free reign. And then, and then there's also this peer space and Gigster that you can rent out your space for other fil- filmmakers to use, and then they can essentially pay your rent, right? Yeah. So it's almost like a free location. So that kind of was like the mindset behind that. But it ended up being so popular just because we had really like unique. Uh, stylistic sets that you didn't really see around town. So, um, so yeah, that ended up being really popular. So then we just kind of kept doing it, and we op- now we have three locations uh, in Los Angeles. Wow! And now now I have just like unlimited locations I can shoot all my shorts in. So that's kind of why I can I'm allowed to just pump out shorts so easily, um, just because I have so much resources now um, to my disposal. Wow, that's kind of genius, man. That's great. Yeah, this, this has been kind of a crazy ride. <laughs> so are you, like, is that a big part of your life? Are you in the, the studio? For sure, now it is, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of responsibility, too, because it's just, I mean, dealing with, I mean, we, we bring on more and more people to kind of into the fold when uh, we need help and stuff. So now we have someone kind of handling our booking. Um, we have people that kind of uh, open up and clean for us and stuff like that. Yeah. So we don't have to be there all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, because the day-to-day yeah. stuff must – like it. I mean, I felt that way when I was running a post-production studio where I sort of hit a point where I'm like, Jesus Christ, I don't have any fucking time to make movies or do anything right now because I'm just – like I'm dealing with the day-to-day here in this space. Yeah. Um, like it, it's got to be a delicate balance for you, right, to try to like – Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just um, – I mean, luckily I have I've kind of – I have a pretty big support group, so everybody kind of helps out with different tasks and stuff like that, so – um, it's been it's been it's been great. Yeah, it's been really really uh, grateful. That's very cool, man. And and now you guys are getting into, or you've been now for a while, into the whole virtual set stuff, right? Yeah. So that that kind of we have actually only been doing that for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first the first location we ever we ever got uh, that was that was like in the middle of COVID, we had all this money saved up from, the, from all the digital assets and stuff. And we didn't really know what to do with it. So we're like, Oh, we will get a location. And that, this was like during a time when nobody was really doing anything. Um, and we actually lucked out and found, a um, this company that, that they usually rent out video walls to tours like Coachella and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. But because of COVID there was no shows, there's no concerts, there's no tours. So they had all this like, backstock of of just led panels that they had they couldn't do anything with so they sold us like this 10 foot video wall for just like dirt cheap hmm. um it's, it's not really meant for video production or anything but it's flashy it's cool you could you just plug in a laptop to it and we were like coming from the music video world like that's all we really need like we just something you know that could flash yeah. cool colors or play kind of cool images behind um so we decided to kind of install that into our first studio to kind of have it as like a marketing thing, you know, like sure. a super, like what kind of studio, what kind of like, you know, standing sets in LA have a video wall, you know? Sure. Um, 
So that was kind of like a first big investment. And then um, from there, my my roommate at the time, he he was super into like Blender and, and like CGI stuff. So I was like, hey, do you ever played around with uh, Unreal Engine? And he was like, no. Um, but I was like, the Mandalorian show just started kind of popping off and everybody's talking about virtual production. Like we have this wall already, like Unreal Engine's free. Like let's let's see if we can kind of plug it in and, to, and try it out with this. And we didn't really have like camera tracking systems, yeah. uh, but there's also the Oculus Rift, like the Facebook meta, you know, like the yeah. headset thing. So those, this was like a really janky way of kind of DIYing it. So we put this Oculus headset on a Dana dolly, plugged into like a computer... And then just like try to see if we can kind of get the Unreal like camera tracking to work with that. Um, and it worked. And I was like, we literally pulled off like a Mandalorian like uh, technique <laughs> with like a $200, you know, Facebook uh, or like an Oculus and just like basic equipment. So like if we could do it on this low scale, there's nobody on the market right now operating at a DIY level. Yeah. So, um, so when we got this new space, we were like, let's just go all in into the virtual production because now this my my roommate had ton more experience in it yeah. since we kind of started playing around with it. So uh, we just kind of kept developing it, and then and then companies started coming out with like cheaper alternatives to some of the because like the ones they use on the Mandalorian, I think they're like a hundred grand for just like the camera trackers, or like yeah. thirty grand for just you know just sort of these like like little hardware components that you need. And I'm like, okay, there's like these other companies like the HTC, like gaming companies that are releasing like $200 versions of, of these camera tracking, like stuff that can work in this uh, gaming engine. So mm-hmm. yeah, we just kind of figured out how to do it ch- on a cheaper ver- way. And, um, and it's been, yeah, it's been really, really great because now I can have unlimited <laughs> locations for my own <laughs> short films, which I'm planning on using for my Spider-Man fan film when I do a couple Unreal Engine scenes for Hell yeah. for locations that we don't have. Yeah, that's great, man. I haven't been able to play with that stuff yet. I'm curious about it. I'm very curious about it. I just haven't had the opportunity to play on the virtual sets. I, like, yeah, it, it seems like it seems like it could be a lot of fun. It seems like there's a lot of technical stuff that you have to be aware of when you're when you're shooting that stuff, right? Like. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a learning curve, and it also takes a lot longer than people expect, just because you ha- you do have a camera tracker that needs to like be calibrated to the camera and stuff like that. Like, so yeah. there's there's a lot of prep that goes into it. I mean, also like Unreal Engine is like a very temperamental like program. Like, you might change a setting and then it, it might crash on you, and yeah. and then you're kind of like delayed for like thirty minutes. So it's so it's not really like if you're shooting really kind of. Um, simple scenes. That's why I, when people come to me and and they're like, "Oh, we want to do like a, I don't know, like a desert or like a forest scene, something that you can access these, or like a street scene, I guess, like something outside, or like why don't you just shoot this outside? Because you're gonna have a lot. Like, first of all, making it look realistic is a whole another challenge. Yeah. Uh, lighting it, yeah. Um, just there's like there's definitely um limitations and restrictions on lighting because the wall emits light and then you also have to kind of match it and you also can't light you can't have lights directly hitting the wall because it's led diodes are like they're sh- they're reflective they're shiny so you actually you have too many lights you might see the reflections on the led panels yeah, yeah. so and that kind of ruins the illusion so there's a lot of kind of things like that you have to look out for huh. um the thing that it really does benefit you is if you're shooting a ton of locations and you just need a couple shots so the commercials i think are really great um, I did a commercial for uh, Aperture where we had to do like like five different locations in a day. Mm-hmm. And instead of like going to the beach, going to the, the forest, going to like 
the house, like going to all these different locations, we could just do it on the video wall. And yeah. because they're like tight shots, you can get away with like not doing too much and then just, you know, being able to knock out all that. So there's definitely a lot of pluses and negatives and you just kind of have to, this is just like a balance. You have to figure out yeah. what works for your production. That's good. I'm happy that you're talking about that because I think most people, most people are just sort of processing it through whatever the Instagram clip is. And they're like, Oh fuck, we can go and make a spaceship. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, it's gotta be quick. But my, in my head is like a, as a director that works in my head, I'm like, okay, how long did it take him to make the background? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, yeah. what was that? You know, how many days did it take them to figure out what that background was going to be? And then, you know, getting that lighting right. I mean, I've shot with screens and stuff in, in my shots before. And, and then there's also the moraying issues, right? So you're, yeah. you're restricted with – are you restricted with, with focus. movement yeah. too? Is, does movement fuck with it? Uh, movement, no. So that's the that's where the camera tracker comes in, like the movement. Um, I mean, because our wall is not as big as some of these other studios. Um, we definitely have one of the smallest LED walls. So I guess you're limited on movements on like ten- – uh, pans and tilts and stuff because you can't like you right, can't like some ten, of these some of these studios have like yeah. yeah they have like ceiling led panels and all that stuff like we don't have all that so uh we're restricted to the size of the our wall but for for actual camera movement you can i mean you can speed is is one restriction uh the camera trackers do have a latency so you can't really go like super fast but we mm. you can still do handheld stuff um a lot of do- we mostly people bring in dollies or like techno cranes or mm-hmm. uh, we do even do like steady cam stuff but yeah handheld stuff you just have to be slower with it because if you go too fast you end up seeing off the there's a there's like a thing called the frustum which is like the rendered area yes i've um, seen that where you, like it's like this square that is the the, aspect, the camera's view the camera view yeah 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 Yeah. so everything outside of that the camera view is just frozen generally so it doesn't the computer doesn't have to spend time rendering out all this extra stuff so only whatever like so you put in the cameras uh or the the lens the focal length yep. so it's like a 50 millimeter it'll like shrink it down to a 50 millimeter uh rectangle and then that rectangle is the only thing that the computer is processing oh fascinating fascinating yeah interesting yeah yeah, yeah fun stuff yeah and, and then what is it you ha- you can only you don't really want the wall in complete focus because that's where you get the boring right so you- yeah so also yeah it also depends on on the the quality of your wall so some of these bigger studios um that charge like a hundred grand a day or whatever they they have like the uh, better pixel pitch so there's more density of pixels like they're closer together so you don't get them more a mm-hmm. um ours is a 2.5 so it's a little bit better than what they use for the mandalorian the first season mm-hmm. but also because of how small it is you can't really go that far back you can't go that wide mm-hmm. um so it's so yeah you are limited to the focus like you can't focus too close to the wall but it hasn't been too big of an issue it depends on also the lenses too that's i like to shooting on more vintage more kind of like funky lenses that way, mm-hmm. especially on, on the video wall, just because if you have something super sharp, like you'll get more a like all the time. Yeah, right. And those imperfections help really tie you into that space. You know, if you're getting like some strange yeah. glaring and stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that stuff. That's cool, man. I'm very, yeah. I'm very interested. Very cool stuff. Yeah, it's just stop by. Oh, you're in LA, right? Yes, or, sir. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah, are you? Yeah, it's just stop by sometime. Where are your studios? Um, so the biggest one with the, all the, LED stuff, um, the virtual production stuff. That's in North Hollywood. That's mm-hmm. our n- most recent. Um, and then we have we have a we have a house that we've kind of renovated. It's just like a one story, like a two bedroom house that we rent out for um, just shoots and stuff. So that's in 
East Hollywood. And then we have another one in South uh, LA. That's more music video. That's where our first like 10 foot video wall is. Very cool, man. Yeah. I'm out in Glendale. So I, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm really close by too. Yeah. Yeah. That has rad, man. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to hang out. Yeah. It'll be fun to yeah. see that stuff in real life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we can stop by from the Spider-Man start. You can just come check it out when we see it. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me know. Yeah. I'd love to. That'd yeah, be yeah. fun to see. Um, well, dude, this is where we at. We're at about an hour. We should probably wrap this up soon. I'm happy we're chatting, man. And, uh, you know, like, it's it's good to hear that you're having success by creating your own intellectual property and that, you know, there are still management people out there that are hunting for that because that, that's really the – the big question that I get consistently from folks that are into the yeah. movie stuff is like, how do we get noticed? How do we get seen? And it's like, just post on Instagram, I guess. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's my, yeah, that's my uh, suggestion, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and realistically, you know, you have to be making content that you're passionate about. And I think yeah. it's, don't, don't chase trends. Like you, you can, you can chase trends all you want, and we've had people on the show that, ch- that, that, that you'll hear them, they've chased trends, and then mm-hmm. they end up not shitting on them, but they end up just sort of like in a job where they're sort of plugging by numbers. You know what I mean? Where it's like, cool, now you're a staff writer on this television show, or now you're doing this. Uh, like if you want to be somebody that is, you know, making epics, or if you want to be someone that is like a Christopher Nolan or a, a Greta Gerwig, you want to be someone that is uh, really in in the cool spots in Hollywood, those folks were always making films that they believe in and indie films that they believe in and taking risks and not chasing trends and telling stories that uh, were risk. were very risky. Uh, Yeah. I think it's put you in a better place if you do that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. 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 All right, dude. Well, Andy, this has been great. Thanks for being on the show, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, and if folks want to uh, book studios or or check out your stuff, where should they go? Um, so the so there's cinepacks.com. Then we have cinepacks.studio is uh, where all the studio stuff is. Um, and then for my personal stuff, uh, it's all Locust Garden. So um, yeah, my YouTube channel, my Instagram, my TikTok, it's all so Locust, Locust Garden. Locust Garden. Locust. Yeah, Garden. Roger. And yeah, I'll yeah. put the links in the description, but. Uh, Yeah, man. Thanks for being on, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. All right. Good. Done. In the can. A lot of surprising places that we went with that. Um, And it's... I always feel a little self-conscious about this because I know so many of you have been with me for a while now, right? So many of you have been with the podcast since episode one, and you've heard a lot of my stories over and over and over again. Like I talk about the Punisher piece, I talk about 12 Cam, uh, and I, whenever I bring them back up on the show, I'm always like, eh, have I talked about this too much? But the guest doesn't know about it, and he's asking some specific questions, so let's just go on this adventure ride together. Maybe this is just me talking through my insecurities live on the microphone here, but like, you know, bear with me. (laughs) Thanks again, Andy, for uh, being on the show and sharing so much. I can't wait to get out and check out their setup. I gotta, I gotta stay vigilant about going down to do that. Maybe I can go see him when he does his fan film, if he's going to do his fan film. And 
take my advice with a grain of salt. Maybe you go make a fan film and it crushes. I have no idea. Could be right place at right time. Just be prepared. If you're going to do something uh, based upon an intellectual property that you don't own and you get into some shit or you get into a conflict, you don't have many rights. You know what I mean? So consider that. And I wasn't joking when I said the agents just don't really care. They don't care. They, it's, they don't even, they don't even care how many people have seen 12 km. What they, what they care about is, is, do you have something new? Do you have something that we can sell? And he did, Andy did a real good job talking about the ice cream flavor thing because it, it definitely feels that way. Show up. Here's my ice cream. What do you want? You want chocolate chip? You want strawberry? You want an ice cream sandwich? I got them all. Right? That's what agents want from you. So keep that in mind as you're, as you're building your content. And I'm bad at it. I've got a bunch of pieces, but they've taken me years and years to make. I don't, but I don't bang them out quick. I don't know why I don't. I, I feel like a, I don't know if it's an insecurity or if it's, I, I just don't feel like the ideas are flushed out enough. I don't know. Maybe I should just be doing that more, doing this podcast less. <laughs> no, I can hear you all going, no. Who else would we get our rants from every week? Um, go listen to Mark Maron. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to the show. I appreciate it. Um, thank you, everybody, for supporting the show. Thank you for all of you who have continuously been asking to see 12 Cam support 12 Cam, And those of you who have signed up for the mailing list to see who's there, we are going to be sending that out to you guys in the fall, uh, along with a bunch of other stuff. So uh, we have been building our army. You guys are bigger and better than ever before. If you want to be a super fan, my voice is going, if you want to be a super fan, let me know. Super fans get access to stuff early. All of my super fans got to see Come Home already because they are part of the test group. So there's a big group of them. I've been keeping their reviews hush hush, but the big group of you have, have been able to see them early. So if you want to be a super fan, you want in, let me know. Write to me on Instagram at Mike Petchy or drop me an email at inlovewiththeprocess at gmail.com. If you've got anything, feedback, stuff that you want, pressing questions, and you want to beat the DM list of the 12 cameras on Instagram, they've, like locusts, taken over that whole thing. Um, just write to me, email me at inlovewiththeprocess at gmail.com. All right, that's it. Thank you, folks, for listening. And as always, I'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>